You're listening to the Mosaic Podcast, brought to you by Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. Each episode of this podcast will offer you excerpts from the Mosaic TV news magazine, which airs Sunday from January to April in the Palm Beaches. Mosaic explores the most pressing issues facing the Jewish community here at home and around the world. And now, here's your host, Susan Shulman Pertnoy. I'm excited to welcome today the author of award-winning book, The Assignment, Lisa Weimer. Lisa, it's a thrill to welcome you to Mosaic. Thank you so much. It is a thrill for me to be here and truly an honor. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's our pleasure. Lisa, your book was profoundly interesting to me. Could you just, before we get started, can you just give us a synopsis of the story? Absolutely. So this was a novel that was inspired by true events, and I'll go into the details about that later. But it's about two brave teens who receive an assignment asking them to pretend that they're Nazis and debate the merits of the final solution. Pro is exterminate Jews, and con is work camps, ghettos, and sterilization. And these two brave teens said, this is wrong. This is immoral. We won't do it. And this novel explains what happens after they have the courage to speak up and how it impacts not just the school, but the community and on a global level through, you know, social media. It's, it's such a powerful story. So let's go to what inspired you, what motivated you. Was there something in your childhood that had happened? So, well, there have certainly been situations in my childhood where I had experienced anti-Semitism. But what led me directly to write this novel is truly, in my mind, nothing short of miraculous. I had been contacted on July 25th, 2016, by a library media specialist by the name of Wendy Scalfaro. She um, is a high school librarian in upstate New York. And she asked if I would come to the area to speak about my debut young adult novel. And at the time she said, I've never had an author visit. I don't even know if I can get the funds, but what do you think? Do you think we can make this work? Now, here's a situation in life where saying yes can change everything. And for you know those of you in the audience, just think about this. If you have ever said no to an experience and then later on said, oh, why did I say no? I wish I had said yes to this. And you felt like you were, you missed out on something important. Well, I've had those experiences in my life. And so that was kind of a clue to me. I was thinking, all right, she's telling me she doesn't have the money, you know, necessarily to bring me in, but I'm going to do this anyway, because I'm going to say yes and just see what happens. Now, fast forward to April 4th, 2017. So Wendy did indeed arrange for me to go to different schools. And on this particular day, she arranged for me to speak at an independent bookstore in Oswego, New York. On this day, it was pouring rain, the kind of rain that was coming down so fast that even with my windshield wipers going as fast as they could, they could not keep up with the rain. And I was on 
I have to confess, a little bit annoyed with Wendy for arranging a book signing so far away from all my other events. And um, so, but I decided I'm going to go there super early and I was going to spend the afternoon sitting in a coffee shop. I get to Oswego, the coffee shop was closed. I ended up going to a grocery store and I opened up my car door, looked out and the parking lot was flooded. And I knew I'm like, I can't get out of the car. I do not want to have soaking wet feet for the rest of the afternoon. So I opened up Facebook and on my feed, that is when I saw a headline, homework, New York students debate exterminating Jews. That caught my attention and I clicked on the link and it turned out that that assignment was given in Oswego, New York. And I thought, oh my goodness, how is it possible that I am in this small town where this anti-Semitic assignment had been given? And I started reading more and more information about it. And I saw that there were two brave teens who spoke up and that was Jordan April and Archer Shirtless. My next thought was, I gotta figure out a way to meet them, but I'm not going to any high school and you know, I'm certainly not going to you know, search out their addresses and show up at their homes, what can I do? So I devised a plan that I was going to ask the bookstore owner if he would help me it, um, to send copies of my other book to these students. I was gonna write them a note and you know, see if he would agree to help me with that. That was my plan. Fast forward five hours, I took four steps into that bookstore, looked up, and I went, oh my goodness, it's the world famous Jordan. And she looked at me and she said, how do you know who I am? And I said, I got to show you my phone. I've been reading all about you. I think what you did was so brave. And she's, she started to cry. And that pretty much launched this book. Wow, what what a story. So how so how much research did you have to do? How much time and effort it because it, you go into a lot of detail. So I would say that 99% of the research that I did did not make it into this novel. I did an extensive amount of research. After I made the decision that I had to write a novel about this experience, that it would be inspired by what these brave teens did and by this assignment, I made the decision to return to the Oswego, New York area in July of 2017. So I set up interviews with different people. I went to uh, Fort Ontario, which is where there had been a refugee center for World War II refugees, 982 refugees. And I read lots of books. I uh, did a lot of research with original documentation um, from World War II. And then I had to make that decision, what goes in. And as I said, I probably cut 99% of it. So well, I'm sure there's always another book in you. But <laughs> who, what did you learn about anti-Semitic school assignments and so, how prevalent they are? Yeah. When I found out about this assignment, I thought it was unique and I, I, I couldn't have even imagined that 
it was that these kind of assignments are so prevalent. But as I started doing more and more research, not only did I see similar assignments online, but when people found out that I was writing this novel, I started getting tagged online. And people started telling me about their experiences. And because of that, this book has had a direct impact in helping to stop anti-Semitic assignments across this country. And I'll give um, a couple examples of that in a second, but I also wanted to say it's not just anti-Semitic assignments, it's also racist assignments where um, students have been told that they had to recreate the Trail of Tears or the um, Underground Railroad. So, yes. yes, I wanna hear much more about this because it's so important, but we have to take a brief break and we'll be right back. Coming up, more from Lisa Weimer. Mosaic is brought to you through the dedication of generous corporate sponsors who fuel the work of Jewish Federation of Palm Beach County. We thank American Commercial Realty, Appleby Utifriend Wealth Management, Raymond Motorcars, Bruce Gendelman Insurance Services, Commodore, Singer, Baseman, and Braun Attorneys, First Republic Bank, Rogers Design Group, and Shapiro Pertnoy Companies. Welcome back. We're talking with Lisa Weimer about her book, The Assignment. Lisa, we were discussing uh, different examples of anti-Semitic and racist school assignments, which is amazing that they're allowed to take place. Can you give us some examples? Sure. So there was a woman by the name of Rachel who uh, put on Twitter that her daughter had received an assignment where she had to write a percentage down for blaming Jews for the Holocaust. And I was tagged in this. And so I reached out to her and I said, you know, this is my area of expertise. How can I help? You know, this, we can't allow students to receive this in the future. And so we kept talking back and forth and back and forth. And she said, well, this happened last year, but I'm not sure what this assignment was. And I said, I know exactly what it is because I've seen this in other schools across our country. And I sent her a copy. And students literally had to write down percentages of blame. And one of them was the Jews who didn't resist. And then another one was the Jewish God who did not protect you know, the Jewish people, which is just absolutely appalling. So she spoke to her daughter, Georgia, and they both agreed that they didn't want any students to have to face this again. They got in touch with the principal and then we got the promise that this assignment would never be given again. Another situation, again, these are, these are not the assignments that hit the headlines, you know, that make the news. And the other one um, that was recent was in Irvine, California, 
where students were told that they had to recreate the 1932 Reichstag election and they had to pretend uh, that they were Nazis and support the Nazis position. And there was one student who said, am I being racist enough? And he was actually praised by the teacher for his actions. The Jewish student in the class was really upset about this assignment. And the teacher's response was, it's nothing personal. She said, yeah, it, it is personal. So again, I provided information and we ended up bringing in the ADL. And that assignment, again, is stopped and it will never be given in that school district again. It, it, it's really it's really so horrific that these these assignments are even allowed to take place in 2022. And they they they're all over they're, they're all over the country. Um, it's very tragic. I'm sorry. You know, there should be some laws or some 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 legislation uh, to deal with this. It's really bad. How much of a toll, an emotional toll, did all of this take on you? So I, without a doubt, I wake up thinking about, you know, anti-Semitism and I go to sleep thinking about anti-Semitism. For me, what energizes me is the knowledge that this book is making a profound difference in helping to empower not just young adults, but adults also to speak up against hatred. And it's having a direct impact in putting a stop to it. And so that's what energizes me. Without a doubt, it's very intense. I, you know, people are contacting me about this, asking for advice, and I'm I'm grateful for that. I and I'm humbled by that also. And I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility because this work isn't easy, but it must be done. And so that is what keeps me going. Well, your book, your, I yeah, have to do this. Your book is definitely an incredible tool and it, it empowers people once they read it. It, it. it really does. What do you say to people that say, let's move on, the past is the past? So that is an outstanding question. And I want to bring this on a level that's very personal for each of us. Think about your own life, an experience where maybe someone has hurt you, or you have hurt someone else, and that never got resolved. So you find yourself thinking back to those experiences. And that pain influences how you feel about situations today. So our past is not necessarily just our past. It is affecting us in the here and now. It can affect our relationships. It can prevent us from having you know, relationships. It might um, hurt us in ways that we don't even recognize. So when it comes down to history, this is how I perceive it that each one of us, every human being is part of the fabric of humanity. We are all woven together. So what transpired during the Holocaust, we have not seen a full resolution of this because anti-Semitism and hatred of many different forms still exist. 
So those experiences that have been woven into the fabric of humanity are still impacting us. And so we have an obligation to speak out and to make a difference and to do whatever we can so that there aren't those holes, that there aren't those tears in the fabric of humanity. Because we know the things that hurt us create tears and pain within our own life. And until we rectify those situations within our own life, we're living with those situations. So the past is not the past. We're dealing with it in the here and and now. And that's why we must, we must speak up. And we, we must recognize that it's within each of us. We're ordinary people, but each one of us has that ability to make a difference. And the obligation to talk about the past and what happened and learn from it absolutely, to, in order to move forward. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. So have you taken your book into classrooms and, and have the, has it been used as a teaching tool? Yes, absolutely. What is so, so it's been used in schools across this country. And I'm really proud of the fact that Schools see this not just as a book that connects the past of the Holocaust to the anti-Semitism that's going on in society today, but from a perspective of social justice. What does it take to be an ally? What does it take to be an upstander? And not everyone is going to be like my two main characters who you know, we're able to speak up and say that this was wrong. There are other ways that people can find their voices. And this book helps everyone to see that they could be like my secondary characters. One of them, you know, dyes her hair. Another one writes a letter. So there are different ways of being empowered. And the other thing that's also critical is that this book shows our students and adults also, that it's important to seek truth, that it illuminates from the perspective that society was influenced by propaganda in the past. What kind of propaganda are we experiencing today? And many people don't think about that, but this book opens that that door to contemplate these bigger ideas. So it's... I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Yes, it, it really does. And, and it's imperative for, it goes even further than that. You can take it to, to we, have, we have to go teach about what happened in our, in our history with slavery and, 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 and own up to what, what happened during those times but in order to move forward. It, it, your, your book is so relevant to every part of bigotry and, and unjust behavior. It, it's Go ahead. I know yeah. you were, I cut you off. No, I mean, absolutely, with, without a doubt, that what's critical to understand about assignments like this, it's not about learning this history. This history is very important for all of us to learn, but it's how it's presented. And to put students in a position where, for example, they are, you know, slave owners and they have to bid on people, um, you know, bid on slaves, or they have to recreate the Underground Railroad. These examples 
uh, creates what's called curriculum. It's curriculum violence. It causes harm. Lisa, can you give us some examples of this? Absolutely. So what curriculum violence means is that we're, we're putting students in a situation where we're asking them to experience the kind of pain that was caused by either slavery or the Holocaust. And there is no way that these students could ever understand that kind of pain. And to put students in a position to either, you know, reenact the, uh, the Von Sieg conference or a slave auction, it's not within their experience. It does not teach empathy. It does not teach compassion. We learn about those experiences by hearing each other's stories. We know that, you know, even within our own homes, we don't walk in the shoes of the people that live with us. And then to, to take history and think that we could possibly understand it by asking students to experience that only causes harm. And so imagine if you're a Jewish student and these students are defending Nazis, how incredibly painful that is. For example, students have been told to recreate a scene from Elie Wiesel's Night. And I can just imagine how, you know, there's just absolutely no way that they could ever capture what that experience was like for Elie Wiesel. Likewise, we saw in uh, the Washington DC area where students were told, third graders were told to reenact scenes from the Holocaust. And this is just absolutely horrifying. That's outrageous. It, it's yeah. absolutely outrageous and should not be done. And it is curriculum violence. It's, it's, it's just, it's mind boggling that this really goes on. I, I, I'm floored personally. Um, can you, shifting gears a little, talk about your personal experience with antisemitism? So I grew up in an area where there were very few Jews and I had swastikas carved into my desk. I was asked uh, where my tail and horns were. I, you know, someone approached me and said, did you kill Jesus? And what ended up happening is I had this tremendous sense of Jewish pride. I loved being Jewish, but I quickly learned that when people found out that I was Jewish, I was treated differently. I was othered. And there was one particular experience where I was with um, on the playground with some kids at a campground. And this boy called out, Heil Hitler, kill the Jews. And I froze. And I looked at him and I said, I guess you're going to want to kill me. And then he looked at me and he said, why would I want to do that? And I said, because I'm Jewish. And I saw the shock on his face. But that was the first time I realized how important it was for me to speak up. So there have been so many experiences in my past where I felt silenced 
but that speaking up empowered me and made all the difference. And um, so I think that's an important lesson for all of us is that silence really harms us. And so whether it's something that we experience or something that we witness other people experiencing, we must find a way to be an ally and to be an upstander and make a difference. Well, that resonates throughout your book. That is definitely the theme and the message of the story. So you got that point across really, really well. What's up next for you? So I am excited to say that in fall of 2023, I have a children's picture book coming out. And it is about uh, Sadaka and giving anonymously and how powerful it is to give when other people don't know about it. That's a beautiful thing. Well, we, I really appreciate the fact that you came on and had this opportunity to chat with you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you and, and quite an honor. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mosaic Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to Mosaic on your favorite streaming platform and to leave us a review. Want more? Visit jewishpb.org mosaic, where you can access full episodes of the show. To stay connected with the Jewish community of the Palm Beaches, visit jewishpb.org or follow Jewish Federation at facebook.com slash jewishpalmbeach.